0: the east there came a the hard man oh ho ho all the way
1: they bring me down
0: COVID-19 may have robbed the GA of its traditional summer showpieces, but the Winter Championship roars into life this weekend, with no fewer than 27 senior championship games spread across the four codes. It's champion v. champion in Parky Creeve, as Limerick continue the defence of their Munster hurling title against All-Ireland Champions Tipperary. Mayo launched their latest epic championship adventure, with clock now standing at 69 long years, while in Ballyboffet, Donegal and Tyrone will raise the stakes to the highest possible level in a straight knockout Ulster Championship clash. And, as if that wasn't enough, that's just Sunday's games. Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of the 42 GAA Weekly. Mark O'Shea here alongside Shane Dowling. And every Monday morning we'll be running the rule over all of the biggest moments and talking points from a Championship that will be like any other. And yes, we realise that today is Thursday, not Monday, but Championship Fever has well and truly taken hold. Before we dive into the discussing the weekend's games, a few things to quickly mention. Although today's episode is free to everybody, from Monday onwards, GAA Weekly will be available exclusively to The Forty Two members. If you're already a member, we've emailed you with all of the details you need. And if you're not, don't worry. Signing up is easy. All you need to do is go to the members.the42.ie where you can sign up to The 42 and get access to lots of other great podcasts and benefits, including Rugby Weekly Extra with Murray Kinsella and Behind the Lines Sport Writing Podcast with Gavin Cooney. And myself and Shane have got a special offer for anyone who is signing up to listen to the podcast. Enter the discount code, mark The 42 or Shane The 42, all one word, all uppercase, and you'll get five euros off your first annual membership. So really, You'll be listening to the first month of the GA weekly on us. So that's members.the42.ie and enter the code markthe42 or shane the to avail of the offer. As a member, you'll also be able to join the members GA Weekly WhatsApp group where you can discuss of the weekend's action as well as sending myself and Shane all of your questions, suggestions, and comments ahead of recording the pod. Again, detail on how to join have been emailed to all members. Now that that's out of the way, let's get straight to the main event. Shane, how are you?
1: I'm good. marking and yourself?
0: Good. Now we'll be spending a lot of time together for the next few few uh, winter months.
1: It looks like that, yeah. I'd rather not be talking to you. I'd rather be in the field of play. But uh, now that I'm off the field of play, I'm talking to legend in itself. So now I'm, I'm happy to speak. To be speaking well,
0: to you. Yeah. Same as that. Um, Shane, I, I know from my own experience, I found the first year when I retired, I found the year after particularly tough now. I'm a, I'm a supporter now like, like everyone else. But uh, I found my first year in retirement tough enough. Watching Limerick and Clare last Sunday. That's your first championship match, uh, watching a match since you retired. How did it feel to be on the coach watching that?
1: Yeah it was It was different It definitely was different Uh, And and I was on the couch I was sitting down On my own watching it And and lit a big fire And had a couple of beers Sitting down So it was definitely strange Um, I suppose the one thing I will say is Different to you That like when you retired The following summer There was a summer there There was 40,000 people Attending games The weather was good The supporters were there So I'm sure it was A lot more difficult for you than Than it certainly was for me The fact that it's going ahead now Behind closed doors And everything that's going on I suppose it does make it A bit easier You know it was still difficult yeah. to watch I would have loved to be in Semple Stadium but um, yeah it, it, it was difficult but you know I, I've been building up for, for, quite a, for quite a while now so I was kind of ready for it and you know there was a lot of more people I actually felt sorry for because like, we'll take the, the kit man that's involved at Limerick he's there since 2007 he couldn't even get into the game nor could they, one of the Limerick liaison officers and on top of that the lads that weren't on the 26 they had to watch the game from home as well and they're still involved in the panel so there was a lot of people that, uh, that were disappointed um, definitely last weekend
0: yeah I, I I went to the game in in uh, Parnell Park meet against uh Dublin, and the one thing that struck me was when there 's nobody at the game, you get to hear like the the communication by the teams both sets of players uh the management and you you actually nearly get to understand what kind of systems tactics that they're they're uh, putting in place um, did you, were you were you able to hear like what was going on in the field The last day from the coach listening to the t v
1: yeah not, not not as much as I thought actually. I, I thought you'd be able to hear a bit more and it's interesting you say like that you were obviously looking enough to get into the game and you were able to hear and see that what was going on. you know people at home definitely couldn't see that or couldn't hear that um so like even we'll take we know the Clare game where where Tony Kelly gave an exhibition, and then they were saying like you know who, who was marking him. What's he doing? What are Limerick at? And all these questions. And like, I couldn't answer him because I, I didn't know what was going on. I think like Dale said in the Sunday game that he was playing corner forward. But most of his scores came from 14, 50 yards out the field. So like, he was marking Barry Nash. But like, if Barry Nash followed, it would, it would have exposed the Limerick full-back line. So uh, oh, when, sure. when you don't know the instructions that, was, that were given, it's hard to say. But maybe if you were at the game, it would have been a lot easier to see it. But most of the people, I suppose, didn't, uh, didn't get to see that.
0: Yeah like the the one thing i noticed you you mentioned Tony Kelly there 17 points which is fairly incredible uh, scoring by any uh, man and then you look at Limerick finishing the game with 36 points um it's it's been a talking point across a lot of the media this week are the scores in hurling gone too high do you think
1: i don't like it's only 2 weeks in or one week end into this year's championship that is that is completely different so I'm not so sure. Like, I don't know, does it, does it deserve the amount of hype and talk that it's getting? Uh, and I know, like, I saw one particular article where he said, is, is this hurling's Bryson DeChamberra moment or if that's how you pronounce the golfer's name, yeah. where he's obviously after driving the ball about four kilometers in every hole. So, uh, yeah. you, you know, there, there was definitely 36 points is unrealistic. It shouldn't be happening. Do I believe it's because of the slitter or because of players? I don't. I firmly believe it was just down to lack of intensity on both nights. Uh, between Dublin and Leash and Limerick and Clare, but if the same thing happens this weekend, then maybe a bit of debate can be held on it. But it was just the game was too loose; it was like a challenge game for most parts, and uh, that's what happens in challenge games, as you well know.
0: Yeah, yeah, and like I watching, I was watching that game, and I was watching, um, I was watching Tony Kelly particularly when he got the twelve points in one half, which is fair going. But like, do you think? Do you think Tip will have learned from what Tony Kelly did? Do you think Liam Sheedy is going to be looking at that and analysing Tony Kelly's performance at what way you can get at Limerick? Because like, no, that said, Limerick were different in the second half. You know, they came out with some some intensity levels. But what what, you, what way do you think Liam Sheedy is going to be looking at that?
1: Yeah, I don't think you look into too much detail of that. You got to play with what with who you have. You know, and Tipperary have their own trump cards. And I suppose if we're calling a spade a spade, Tipperary have, have a hell of a lot of more trump cards than Clare have. So, you know, like, you know, Jamie Cannon inside and Jason Ford, John McGrann, Nolan McGrath, you know, all these type of top quality players, they're going to play their own game as they see fit. Yeah, they'll, they'll definitely get learnings from the Clare game, but I don't think they'll be going to in-depth analysis of what Tony Kelly did. But I think one thing they'll definitely be doing is I don't think Clare try to go at the Limerick full-back line enough considering the players that they're missing, you can be damn sure that Liam Sheehy is going to be doing that this weekend.
0: Yeah, especially when the likes of Jamie Callaghan and and, and John McGrann, these fellas, are inside there.
1: Uh, Deadly, absolutely. You know, top quality players and I suppose listen Clare don't have them players and uh, Tipperary definitely going on last year's form played played the ball a lot better than Clare do so and and their half forwards do come very deep so listen I suppose it's it's very simple from from my perspective what they do they'll try to pull out their half back line and leave an ocean of space in behind and deliver good quality ball in front of the full forward line and hopefully they can do the damage but I don't think Limerick are going to be as gullible as that either you're not going to see Declan Hannon or Dermot Burns 80 yards off the pitch Um, so they're going to try to protect them as much as possible definitely
0: Limerick already have had a game last weekend uh, Tipperary haven't do you think that's going to be an advantage to Limerick coming into this weekend
1: I do 100% uh, and I tell you why because uh, in this I suppose climate that we're in now with all the I was going to, say, you know, what other rubbish that's going on with Coven and what teams can do and can't do in terms of going into games and where they just get tagged out and how they have to travel and all that. Limerick have experienced that, and I'd say that that I'd say that's not easy. Like you know, the boys were going into Turlus Mark, like the boys had to get togged out. You know, you know where the burger fans to be selling the burgers and yeah. chips as you're on the way to the dressing room? They had to get togged out. Beside that, like, you know, and I'm sure it's going to be something similar in Parky Quive on, on, on Sunday. So um, they've had the experience of that, and Tipperary haven't. That's the first thing. The second thing is that it did take Limerick a long time to warm up to the challenge, and I think they'll come into the game ready to go. Whereas i would be hoping, obviously, Tipperary will still be a small bit cold.
0: Yeah, and uh, you you kind of alluded to it there. You'll have your Limerick cap on, but uh, you know, looking at it. What way do you think this is going to go? Where it's going to be one and last on Sunday, Shane?
1: Yeah, I think it'll be. Uh, listen, it can be one and last in many places, but I think um, very early on, I think you'll get to know where Limerick are at and where Tipperary are at. I mean, with, after ten minutes of the last day, I think everyone would have seen where both teams were at in terms of that the intensity was very very low. What I'd love to see is that Limerick will use the, the from the very start they'll use that as to their advantage, whereas I'd like to think it'll take Tipperary a long time to warm up to the challenge. If that's the case, I think Limerick could benefit from that and win the game. If Tipperary start as sharp as they left off last year, then we're in for some game. But I, I do think uh, the experience will stand to Limerick. And for that reason, uh, I, I do think they'll be, they'll be looking forward to muster final uh, if they perform like they did for large periods of the second half last week.
0: Yeah, it's going to be some cracker. Um, the, d- the day before that as well, we've got... Cork and Waterford Um, that's going to be a huge game for both sides and and like if winning they're guaranteed an Ireland quarter final at least Um, what are you expecting from Waterford under Liam Cahill yeah
1: it's a good question so like Liam went in initially and one of the first things he did was pick up the phone and ring Nolly Connors and ring Mara Shanahan like two stalwarts of Waterford hurling and didn't even meet him, like just said, your, your services aren't required here and thanks very much, but goodbye. And I suppose the first thing is like for people that have given that service, like if I am ever in that situation, I mean, the decent thing to do is to go down and meet a lad and and, and tell him the situation, you know, and do that, that's what I would think anyway. Yeah. And straight away, I suppose, does he set down the marker number one or does he put pressure on himself number two? Because like, oh, like them boys would be fairly popular and like the players, I don't know how the players would have reacted to that, but um. He made a big call early on, didn't he? Like I don't know what you think of it, Mark. You like, I, I would think that you meet someone in person for a call like that anyway.
0: I, I totally agree with you. Like, but like say, I remember uh, during the summer listening to um, reports coming from Waterford. I think she, um, uh, Morris Shannon shot the lights out in some game that he huge scores. Like, can Waterford afford to lose a player of the calibre of, of him?
1: I'd say for some reason, I don't think it's his scoring ability is the reason why he was dropped. And the same with Noel Connors, you know, for his defending ability. I don't know what the reason was, but it wouldn't make sense for him to drop him because of that. Um, And obviously he had other agendas for dropping them but you're right himself and Dan indeed as well even though Dan is yeah. obviously gone over the hill uh, um, uh, racked up some savage scores so yeah I don't I don't think listen it's easy from the outside looking in I don't believe you made a good call and I know the two boys if they were egotistical or if they were problematic or whatever the case you could understand Should the two boys are salt. to the earth and would give anything for Watford Hurland they'd be decent fellas to have on, on a panel like you know
0: yeah I agree with you yeah did, did like did Waterford's best chance of winning evaporate when Parik Mahoney was ruled out for the championship? And like, how did they try and compensate for his absence?
1: Yeah, like he uh, he had a very good campaign with Badly Gunner this year. Like as he always does, like uh, Paddy's a serious hurler, a serious free taker. Um, listen, I wouldn't go as far as saying that their their chances have you know evaporated, um, but he's definitely lost. And but I think what you'll see over the over the coming weeks and months is that players will or teams are going to lose players through different injuries, especially with uh, with everything that's going on. So, um, but you know the way the the, the game has gone now and the attitude among management and players is you know it's one man down and next man up and the next man is going to have to stand up for Waterford but uh, he's a huge loss definitely and like now you say right now they're down Morris they're gone without Noel they're gone without Paddock like, you're taking away some big characters of, of, of a group like and, uh, for a manager to come in year one and to be going into his first year without some key players dropped or injured it's a big ask isn't it
0: it is for sure yeah um they say you should never go back. Do you think it's a good idea or a bad idea in senior inter county management, uh, what Kieran Kingston has done?
1: Yeah, listen, obviously, I have no experience of it. I, I, I met Kieran once uh, the year after we won the Ad Ireland in, in 2018. I was down at the Listole races with a buddy of mine, just the two of us. Good uh, place to go. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you know it very well. And I try to go there every year, actually. Obviously, I wasn't there this year, but I went down and I kind of saw him out of the corner of my eye, but I don't know him now. And anyway, he, he came up to me a couple of minutes later just to congratulate me on, um, on the win. And we, there was zero drink on board, and he, he made sure to tell me, and I made sure to tell him. So we had a good mature conversation for maybe fifteen minutes, and I said, Geez, he's one of the soundest men I've met." And um, anyway, the night we went on, and the race, and the race, and finished, and we hit in for town. And about nine o'clock that night, I bumped into Kieran again, and uh, this time few, there were few plenty, drinks on board at that there was, stage. <laughs> 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 there was plenty of drinks on board at <laughs> that stage, and we made one agreement that uh, because there were so many drinks on board, there would be no hurling talk at all, and there was none. Be a, a bit of a dance and a laugh and uh, not dancing together no but dancing <laughs> around the place and uh, anyway uh, yeah Kieran is a sound man I'd, uh, I'd, I'd love to see Cork um, successful under him being honest I, I just he, you know that, that day I met him I just uh, geez I thought he was, he was A1 is it a good idea it's tough definitely when you have a son playing I'd say like you know it didn't seem to affect him the last time but um, yeah I, I wouldn't see it as, as too bad if you have the respect from the group and, and you have a good enough management team with you I wouldn't see a major, a major problem with it anyway
0: October the 1st, 1995, for the
1: Senior Hurland Championship replay. The first replay for Senior Hurland final in recorded
0: history. And that's been argued for the last two weeks, but no one has come up with another one anyway. But okay, the game's on. Good clearance. Big Andy. Oh, Keith Furlong! Don't tell me he's going to do what he did! Oh, great catch by Ciarán O'Keefe. That's what a captain does for his team. That's her game, now I feel happy. There's a dog on the pitch. There's a black dog on the pitch Right in the way of the play And the dog seems to be going into the goalie So maybe he knows him, I don't know Anyway, back with the play Great catch by Tommy Kremen What's in this magic red bottle That she's squeezing in
1: his eye Maybe it's holy water Anyway, Christie's putting back on the helmet And we're all back to business
0: It's all over Tiltigan have won the three in a row In the year of 95 Three in a row never before done in our history and not done by too many clubs in the county.
1: Like you have the, the Ulster Senior Football Championship quarter final, Donegal versus Tyrone and what's, 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 what's different about the football is there is no second chances. Donegal or Tyrone are definitely, one of them are definitely going to be gone. Uh, you know, does that mean that, you know, that the, the intensity could be a lot higher than the first than the first weekend uh, of the that what the hurling was?
0: Oh definitely, Shane. Like I was watching um, Donegal, Tyrone a few weeks ago in the or last weekend I should say, in the in the, in the, in the National League. And what I noticed was there was definitely shadow boxing going on. Um, I don't think Tyrone showed their hand at all at all. Um, then you saw Tyrone last weekend having to go down to Castle Bar and and get a result. So you saw a different Tyrone team, um, but like, champ. It, this is you know the football is definitely it's going back to the old days. The championship uh, I, I started in with Kerry in two thousand and one, but it was that was the first year of the back door uh, 2000, 2000 I remember even going to the Munster final in two thousand, watching Kerry and Cork in, in Killarney and Fitzgerald Stadium. Beautiful summer's day, and the the intensity like the, that championship. Uh, knockout feeling was there you know do or die Um, because you knew you didn't want to be out of the championship come the month of June you wanted to be playing football or sorry the month of July you wanted to be playing football July August right into the All-Ireland in September and um so if anything you know I know we spoke earlier about having no crowds um, and it being a bit weird but I think this definitely there is going to be a serious bite when you consider that Either Donegal or Tyrone are going to be over the championship next weekend. That's going to be a massive. Uh, th- that's going to bring that intensity to the game, I think. And uh, regardless if there's nobody at the game, that's going to be huge for both teams.
1: Like Limerick played Clare last weekend, right? And what what you would associate with Limerick versus Clare Munster championship? In previous and me growing up And even looking back in videos Is that They'd bait the heads off each other Like you know what I mean That there'd be war in the games Like and there'd be nearly from, from a referee's perspective Like I'd say They'd be nearly dreading Refereeing a game like that You know That was non-existent Like Donegal versus Tyrone Obviously a massive rivalry Surely to God there will be nearly All a war this weekend Like you
0: know This is it like And uh, like You know It's going to be a huge job For the referee to To take charge of this one and like you know, I've often spoken about this. Like, I think the referee dictates the pace of it, dictates how the game escalates. I've often spoken. I remember the 2015 All Ireland final. There was a documentary done on um, on the Goldrick, it? Yeah, McAldrick, and he was yeah, he McAldrick. was mic'd up. He was mic'd up, and he was um, he, when the players came close to him, you could hear the players talking to him. And and but what I noticed about McGoldrick that day was. He was, he was very articulate in what he was saying to the players. You, you, you'd know this, Shane, when you're playing. And if, if a referee gives a free against you, there's like, you know, if, he just, if he's very dogmatic about it, doesn't tell you why the free is given. And, you know, you're, kind of a level of frustration builds up in a player, particularly me, I'll you know, say when I was playing in the inside uh, defence for Kerry. And if there was a free given against you, frustration builds up when you don't know what the free is for. Whereas, you know, even that day there now, I remember... He was so articulate. This is free, you no, know, you pull the, the the jersey, and I think when referees can be very descriptive on why a free is given or or whatnot, it kind of brings down the frustration levels, and you know players tend to play focus on the game basically. So I've I've always said I think a situation needs to happen where um, you know that play the, the referees are mic'd up basically because I think what that will do then it would actually. The, the the referee would improve standards big time. Uh, the players would be less frustrated if there's a free given against them, and it's something, especially with the game this weekend Donegal Tyrone. That's going to be a game that's going to be played right on the edge, and and with the players that both sets of teams, both teams have, that's, that's going to be a right battle.
1: Yeah and I'd echo what you said there. so like people be going on about a good referee and a bad referee and we sure would all have mixed opinions on who's good and who's bad right but the one thing I've always said be it at club level here in Limerick or be it at an intercounty level the referees that I've always got on with I don't care whether they're good well of course you care but they would all be of the same standard you're right but the, the one the referees I've always got on with are the referees that will speak to you in a respectful yeah. manner. So like Fergal Horgan had the same thing in 2017 he was mic'd up for you, a documentary came out on him and Fergal is a sound man right and you know they'd explain why a free was given away and if you were the referee like if we I suppose the players have to ask the referee in a respectful manner if a referee then tells them to where to go or don't be taught or whatever all that happens then you say Jay is that you know what I mean? You'd be fit to kill him, like, you know? So I think that's definitely, I, I, I'd echo what you say there. If a referee speaks to players in a respectful manner and gives them the reason, uh, it definitely helps, like, you know? Yeah. Um, like, and when like, you... Even
0: with that, Shane, sorry for cutting across sorry, you, but even with that there, like, say, and I'm not saying on about going down a rugby route, but, like, if you look at the uh, the referees and the rugby and the way the players, it's usually the captain that deals with the, the referees, but, like, it's it's all done in a respectful way. And, like, you know, these are going to every TVs in, in in every house in Ireland. If there's a situation whereby, you know, there's um, the, the, you know, people at home can hear the referee, can hear the players, the players are going to be more respectful. The the, the referees are going to be respectful, and it's going to lead to a better game, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally echo that. Um, I suppose. Listen, when when the word Donegal is mentioned, the first player that comes to everybody's mind is Michael Murphy for obvious reasons, like. How do you think Tyrone will match up with Michael Murphy? Like, obviously, that was Rory Brennan's job a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that's not an option. now. he's got a twelve-week ban. Do you think that was justified?
0: Uh, look, it's 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 very hard. To, it's, you know, twelve weeks, um, you're you're gone, you're gone effectively for for championship. It's it's a hard one, particularly in the in the current uh, climate, and particularly as well when the back door there's no back door available to you. So, for me, I think it's 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 very hard there's rules there though and 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 look if you if you break the rules you know you 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 have to do the, the the time but for me 12 weeks is is fairly steep but look you 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 spoke about michael murphy i think i think donegal have a player in michael murphy that's just he's a different level even speaking to donegal people in tralee last weekend you know the the level of respect in which they hold him is just phenomenal and i think that uh you know he's going to be crucial to 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 Donegal next weekend um anytime they've played Tyrone they've always i think Paricamsy has been a player that that has kind of he he's a kind of a player that can play anywhere playing the full back line uh playing the half back line midfield so i think with Murphy the next day you're going to have a situation where if is playing he didn't play last weekend and and um, I, I don't know what the story was there, um, but look, he, you know, he's he's definitely, I think, going to be detailed for Murphy. Uh, has the physicality, um, but like with Murphy, that's the, I think that's an area then where, you know, I saw them last weekend. They brought down maybe around six or seven starters to truly, um, but I, like there's other players that are going to take some of the, the 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 you know the likes of Jamie Brennan. He's been outstanding. He's taken pressure off of. Uh, off of Michael Murphy. It's a bit like the whole, uh, with Kerry, David Clifford and and uh, Tony Broston. Tony Broston has taken a bit of pressure off David Clifford. I, I'd say that Jamie Brennan has also taken that uh, pressure off of off Michael Murphy, where before Michael Murphy was brought out to the middle of the field and you were kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul, Uh, you know taking him out where his services would have been needed inside but I think now the fact that you have the likes of Jamie Brennan Kieran Thompson who was outstanding last weekend against Kerry he really caused huge trouble for Kerry uh, kicked five points. so I think you have a situation now where I think you know Bonner will be quite happy you know it's not just Michael Murphy there's other match winners there for Donegal that can really uh, cause trouble and um, I think it's going to be an intriguing battle on Sunday
1: yeah, I think, like, obviously, I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't know, you know, as, as much as you, obviously, in rest football, but Ryan McHugh, another pacey, pacey player, savage player. Like, but to come back to Michael Murphy, I ask you this question, right? I don't kind of get it. When Donegal won the all Ireland under Jimmy, Michael Murphy was at the edge of the square and was unreal for me looking in, right? Why don't they just plant him at the edge of the square, like they did when they won the all Ireland and get the ball into the man? Like, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand it more so than I don't get
0: it. Um, i have to be honest i don't understand it myself look any time i was marking any dangerous forward if like and i know exactly i totally agree with you number one like case in point you look at the year they won the all-ireland you look at the you, you can still see lacy coming down the Q's den side yeah. putting that ball that long diagonal ball into murphy murphy a powerhouse inside winning it and and, and just, you know, unbeatable in those situations, getting that supply of ball. So I remember in 2014 when um, Aidan O'Mahony was marking Murphy and Aidan did a great job on him that day. But for large parts of that game, Murphy was actually out the field, which, you know, if I was marking him, that's where I would have preferred to have him out there where he wasn't going to be a scoring threat. But um, look, Donegal obviously have, have reasons for it. Maybe they feel that they aren't strong enough out there around the middle, but... I think they, they 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 have players out there that can win ball that can that can work hard. You even mentioned there the likes of McHugh, you know he's another match winner. You look at Donegal; they have match winners all over the field, and and you know maybe on Sunday maybe it's it's going to be Tyrone are going to focus in on Murphy, but maybe it might be elsewhere that there might be a match winner, be it a, a Jamie Brennan, be it a Kieran Thompson, be it a, a Ryan McHugh who we know are match winners on on, on a day. But look. Looking at the other side of it, like I saw, I watched that game last weekend. It was uh, deferred coverage on TG Cahar. Tyrone looked very impressive. Um, like, you know, you, you start with the goalkeeper, Morgan. The, the, what I was really impressed with was the kicking style that they had against Mayo the last day. It was, it was a game they went down there to win, down to Castle Bar, because they had to, to, to hold on to Division One status. And... They're, they're, the contrast in style between the day they played Donegal, it was pure shadow boxing against Donegal. The last day against Mayo, they, they, went, they went for the juggler. They went for, for the win. And uh, I, I was very impressed with them. I was, look, uh, you're, we all, everyone is talking about, um, you know, Conor McKenna, but it was all over the field. They, they were just so impressive all over the field. And, and even going after uh, Mayo's kickouts, I thought they were ex- excellent also.
1: Yeah, and even on Conor McKenna there, like, you know, it's obviously the the second coming of him we could say, and like that foot pass he gave there for for the goal that Tyrone got. Like, even if I had good knees and I tried through that, I'd probably still fall over myself. Like, do you think that he's a potential game changer or, or, or is it too soon to say?
0: I do. I think I think he's a complete match winner all day long. And I think that if he wasn't playing the last day, Tyrone would have lost. I think that, you know, losing Karl McShane has been a, a huge blow to Tyrone. Uh, talks that he was going to Australia first, uh, then he gets, you know, gets injured. And, and, and um, so, like, he's, he's a massive blow for them. But, like, with Conor McKenna, and I watched him closely the last day, of Shane. I watched him, you know, even, like, say, the flick up for the goal, the flick up with his right uh, foot, uh, then turned on to his left the composure and taking that shot with his left leg and then to, to beat a goalkeeper of the caliber of David Clark, uh, phenomenal. Like he can win his own ball. Um, you know, and the the big thing for me is like his ability to see he, like, uh, I saw him at certain stages of the game the last day and his ability to bring other players into the game. it, It reminded me of Brian McGuigan, the way Brian McGuigan was able to spray a pass and, and, you know, a 40, 50 yard killer pass. And, uh, You know, McKenna was doing that the last day. He kicked two excellent goals, one with the right, one with the left. And the way his ability to win a ball, you mentioned the the pass on the ground, outstanding. His pass to McCurry, um, as I say. And like, again, his pass to Dara Canavan, outstanding footballer. And I think, you know, the very fact that he has spent, uh, I think it's five years he was in Australia that's definitely going to stand him because a player who goes out to Australia, one thing they're going to do there, I think, you know, you're out there, you're on your own, you, your parents aren't with you, you're, you're kind of fending for yourself and it's it it, it kind of brings a kind of a... Uh, this instinct, into you, that you're not going to be beaten, I think. And, and look, he has come back. He has looked incredible since he came back. We were surprised he started the first league game under Mickey Hart. I'm sure Mickey Hart knew what he had at his disposal. So, look, he, he's been a revelation, and I think he's going to be huge for uh, Tyrone on Sunday, and I think it's something that Donegal are certainly going to have um, somebody there to try and mark him, be it Paddy McGrath or McMenimum or somebody
1: Mark O'Shea is in the prime of his career. Does he rather Mark Conor McKenna or Michael Murphy?
0: I'd rather stay in the coach, (laughs) etc. But uh, I would say, you know what? Um, It's I marked Murphy twice, um, both league games, and he was a real like just the physicality of Shane, and he was able to. He was so strong. He was able to hold the ball in one hand, hold you off in the other hand. He was great over his head. He had both feet. He had everything, and and physicality was the big thing with him. So he was definitely a real, real tough opponent. I'd never mark McKenna, but you know, uh, McKenna wouldn't have the physicality that that uh, Michael Murphy would have. So I'd i nearly I'd nearly, try, uh, I'd nearly uh, go with McKenna, <laughs> I'd say because uh, whatever chance I'd have with, with McKenna. Murphy's physicality would just be something else. But that's, again, going back to chain, that's why I think the likes of Hamsey, who has done well on him in the past, mm. that's where, where I see him uh, be detailing him on Sunday. I call it, Mark, who comes out on top. Do you know, Hod, I, I, I've been thinking long and hard about this. Um, you, you know, you look, at, you look at Tyrone, they've got McCann, Hamsey, McNamee, Donnelly, Peter Hart, Canavan, Conor McKenna. Like, Dara Canavan has been excellent as well. But for me, is he, like, is he Peter's son, sorry, Peter's son, yeah. And I saw him for the first time um, last or last year, I think, in, in Fitzgerald Stadium in Killarney. Um, and look, he's all the same uh, attributes as his dad. You know, if he's half as good as his dad, he's going to be outstanding. But yeah. he's just got that same gatch about him that Peter had. Um, but look, you know, looking at and again, uh, you know, I have to mention your man McIre, uh, Kieran McIre for for uh, Tyrone. He was outstanding the last day against Mayo old-style centre-back, but also able to get up the field and and kick a score. So, you know, Mickey Hart has some good players at his disposal. That said, you know, this this game is going to go down to the wire. If you look at Donegal, I'm very impressed with McMenamin, cornerback. He marked um, David Clifford last year in the Super 8, did a great job. Um, He was marking him the last day in the first half and did a great job on on David Clifford. Again, kept him really quiet. I think he's, he's a huge player for Donegal, And then, of course, you've got McHugh, you've got Murphy, you've got Brennan. They've got match winners all over the field. If it came down to the wire, I think Donegal, but just Shane. Perfect.
1: Um, So then, go to Connacht, uh, Leeds v Mayo, and I suppose, like... Especially from someone like myself, I would obviously know not a whole pile about Leitrim, but I love Mayo. I have to say that now, Mark. I love Mayo. I would absolutely love him to win in All Ireland. I don't think I'm on my own when I say I love Mayo. I'd say most of the country does know at this stage. Um, even, even going up there, like I, was, I went up to, to Achill Island there a couple of weeks ago, I went up with a few of the boys and, and stayed in, in his, um, his grandmother's house just outside Kiltamach. And even the place up there, the people up there. Like in normal times, if Mayo were to win All Ireland, I know the first thing I'd be doing is booking a couple of days off of work and hitting straight up the road. Uh, I, I, it's, it's amazing really how they haven't won an All Ireland in, in the last decade. Like, you know, um, like they did put the whole country in notice definitely with their performance against Galway. Like, they were, they were, I don't know, were they unreal or Galway were poor, but like, where do you see them this year in terms of All Ireland contenders at this point in time?
0: Yeah, like, um. I suppose you, you said it yourself. First of all, it's it, it, like it is way too long to win an All-Ireland Fifteen, I think it's was 1950, 51. You're going back to the year of Tom, Tom Langan. But like, it may have always been knocking on the door the last few years. Unfortunately, uh, never got over the line. So close yet so far. And, um, you know, th- th- there's definitely, Horn, I think, is the right man for the job. He has shown, he's come back in. We were all wondering where they were going. Um, that performance against Galway, uh, I think Galway were, you know, Galway are definitely a lot better than that. Um, but that said, Mayo really came out of the traps uh, straight away, and they, you know, they've they found some excellent players, Shane, and, and and players who, you know, that that have really stepped up, and uh, you know, they, they, like they're they're at a stage now where you know the last day against Tyrone again, Mayo, kind of, you know, can you trust them? They would they. Kind of came back. We saw against uh, Tyrone where Mark Morn outstanding centre forward. This fellow, like, you know, the underage structures coming up. But like you know, again, it's so disappointing then against Tyrone. And it, it, it's it'll be interesting to see. I suppose if they ever needed a game to kind of kick-start them for the for the championship, it is Leitrim. They'd be very disappointed going down to Division Two after twenty three years in Division One. That's something that will won't won't sit happy with James Horn. But you know, the big thing for me is. Uh, position the position of Aidan O'Shea, insightful forward. I, I look. I've been watching Mayo closely over the last few years. I, I I'm very impressed with this Matthew Rouen, middle of the field. He's a player who, watching him last year, got a goal against Kerry in the um, in the league game down in Tralee, Replicated that above in Crow Park two weeks later in the National League final. Got another goal and and they they won the National League final. So look. It was disappointing that they didn't push on then after that last year. But I'm a bit like you. I'm a big follower of Mayo. I think they have some great footballers at their disposal. Um, but it'll be interesting to see that where that consistency comes in. And I think that's something that they've been seriously lacking. And case in point, just look at last weekend. You know, that consistency wasn't there, which is disappointing.
1: Yeah, and, like we, like, and it comes back, so I, we were speaking around about why, I, I don't get why Michael Murphy isn't at the edge of the square. It looks like Aidan O'Shea is going to be at the edge of the square this season. Uh, like He ran a mock at full forward versus Galway, but he didn't have as much joy against Ronan McNamee the last weekend. No, like we're all entitled to off days and all that, but I suppose from my perspective looking in, I would think that he'll create carnage up there, and I would think he'll do the same for the rest of the championship. Like, would you be on the same wavelength as that?
0: Definitely. You know, I, I think that once he gets a proper supply of ball, he, he's a match winner. I saw him at Croke Park a few years ago, Shane. He was insightful forward against Donegal in the championship. And uh, marking a player of the caliber of Neil McGee, uh, his ball-winning ability is frightening. He caught a ball that day. Again, a long diagonal ball um, from the Cusick stand side. And uh, over Neil McGee's head, which is no hard to, easy thing to do. And, and rifle it into the back of the net. So once he gets a proper supply of ball, he's going to be lethal. But again, look, huge credit has to go to, to James Horn. You know, you look at you look at Mayo's defence. Uh, he has Lee Keegan now in the full back line. Um, we all know Lee Keegan, a player, you know, an attack-minded player. But he's he's able to kind of find this happy medium where he he's still able to get up the field, but he is taking on those man-marking duties. Um, Mullen corner back. He has been a revelation the last two games. Outstanding footballer. So, you know, and, and the reason I think that James Horn has gone with uh, Keegan in the full back line is, is is because of how good Paddy Durkin is in that half back line. Paddy Durkin was outstanding last year. We've seen him doing jobs on on Jack McCaffrey. We've seen him doing jobs on uh, Ryan McHugh. He he has been lethal altogether. So look, he's definitely found a few players. Um, look, I suppose another player. Who, whilst they lost the last day, he really impressed me. Was Conroy in the corner forward? Um, another huge find by by James Horn. So look, he has kind of he has brought these players through under twenty one, like these under twenty one players. They, they're forcing their way into James Horn's team now, and it's 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 a huge addition to him. And they're not going to look. They they are going to, with all respect to Leitrim, uh, they're going to get over that on Sunday. And also then. You know, you're looking then at, you know, I suppose Roscommon and Galway, but I don't think Mayo will fear any team in Connacht this year, having beaten Galway already last weekend.
1: Just one player I do have to ask you about. I'll be honest, I didn't really know who he was. Like we saw the split season this year. Like Mark Morn, who I suppose I've only heard of and seen because of his club campaign at Westport. Like he, I suppose, if we'd been honest about it, like would he even have got a chance with James Horn if there was no such thing as a split season?
0: Um I you know that that's it I don't think he would I don't think he would and like it's funny you know would the likes of Tony Broston from Kerry have got a chance if, if there was no split season either um so this is the thing that covid has has uh, has has brought and I think that the likes of Mark Moore Moore and he has been a revelation and uh, particularly for Westport as you said and he followed that through uh the first day um against Galway he was outstanding and got man of the match and and rightly so you know and his, his skill set was something that I was very impressed with. Um, you know, the, the last day then, you know, d- disappointing that, you know, the same level of consistency wasn't there. But again, you know, we, we talk about forwards. Dierman O'Connor, Killian O'Connor. Uh, I mentioned Donegal and, you know, trying not to have the same pressure on Michael Murphy. Other players taking the flak. We've seen it above in Monaghan, where Connor McManus is constantly the main threat. And if you keep him quite... Where are they going to get the scores from? And that has been something that Monaghan have always been accused of. Now with, with Mayo, when the likes of Alan Dillon and these fellas retired, Andy Morn retired, they need to find other players. And with the likes of Mark Morn, um, they're going to be fellas who are, and, and Conroy, two prime examples of fellas who are maybe going to fill those voids. And, and you know, they'll really have to step up. Um, and if they do, then Mayo are going to be serious contenders.
1: Yeah, good stuff. Uh, like they I'd imagine they will no there's no point to call that. They, they they will no more than likely win the weekend. I, was just, I I know Limerick are playing Waterford. Limerick had a great win last weekend to get up to division three. Um, you know, they're working hard, was down here. They wouldn't they wouldn't get the same publicity I suppose that, that the hurlers do get, but uh Listen, I, I don't know if you know Billy Lee the, the manager yeah. of Limerick he's a top top man Has put in and like he went in to Limerick when, when very few people wouldn't have went in no airs or graces no egos just want to do the best for Limerick and listen they're working very hard I, well, obviously not in recent times but I've seen how hard they work they train in Raquel when the hurlers train and geez they train savage hard, hard like you know so um, it'd be great for them if they could get over water for the weekend
0: yeah I, I think they will because I think they've continued the, the... I suppose the consistency they had at the start of the league where, you know, they were winning games and, and, and with that brings confidence winning games, but Billy, Lee, Billy Lee has done an excellent job. And what I was impressed with also then was when the league resumed the last two games, again, you know, they, they, they finished, um, they finished top of the table and, and promotion. And that's going to the very fact that they're promoted. That's going to be, uh, that's really going to help their confidence. And, and look, Sure, I myself down through the years, the the games, the battles we've had with Limerick. They obviously play second fiddle to the hurlers. But the battles that we've had, you know, down in, 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 in um, Gaelic... Um, Gaelic grounds. You know, Gaelic grounds and, and even in Fitzgerald Stadium. You know, huge battles with them, which could have gone either way. I remember a game in Gaelic grounds one year. We barely got out of it. Darla caught a ball just o- over, over the crossbar. Over under it, yeah. And, and yeah. like, had that gone over, you know, Limerick would have beaten us. So... Limerick will always produce quality players, and I suppose now the very fact that they're gone up to Division Three, it's going to give them great confidence, and I, I I would see them definitely beating Waterford on Sunday. There's no Monahan doubt. and Kevin. Yeah, you know, look, I suppose Monahan um, they've been they've been heavily reliant on Conor McManus. Um, now we see him kind of, I suppose he's he's no spring chicken. But that said, like I, I saw him against uh, Kerry in the first in the in the opening. Um, or the, the when the league resumed, and even though he came off the bench, he kicked some of the most amazing scores, which I was like, you know. And, and, and sometimes he's just this—he's unmarkable at times, you know. Um, Kevin also are work in progress. Young t- uh, players coming through. I still think though that Monaghan are going to come through here with the Hughes brothers, Wylie, uh, you know, Drew Wiley These these lads—they have quality players all through. Carl O'Connell. And, and I think these players will get them over the line um, on, on Sunday, no doubt. Uh,
1: yes, it's like a hurling stick, isn't it? Or... I don't think our cameraman can pick it up, but on the side of the stage, Alexander Usyk walked in with what looks like a next to his poster there, Scott. What looks? Someone's going to be texting me saying you're an idiot. How does he not know what that is? But from here, it looks like a like a
0: hurling stick. Do you call it that? My my Irish fans are not going to be happy. The hurling again, Shane. You know, Dublin against Kilkenny on Saturday. Like, do Dublin have any chance here? In your opinion?
1: Ah, uh, geez, they definitely have a chance now. Um, like. They, I, I suppose the game itself last weekend was was the first game of the of the winter, um, and I thought you know I thought Leish Rapport definitely um, you know I, I think it was a hard game to judge like it was Crow Park very very open very dead atmosphere obviously. Um, but the one thing I will say, like, Donald Burke there scored 116 mark. Like, you know, he was a great, I won't say a great find, but he's obviously after stepping up to the plate big time. Like, and the one thing I suppose I did notice, right, is that, like, they've good, they've, they've had they have good players all, all over the field. Like, Chris Crummy was always a half back. I never enjoyed marking him a big, strong, physical man. Like, they're after throwing him up centre-forward. Now, I know he scored three points the last day. Like, would he be the most natural of centre-forwards, you know, when you go across the other, the other teams across the country? He wouldn't. But he'd definitely cause plenty of trouble up there. And Like, he's Danny Sutcliffe on the wing. And, like, Danny Sutcliffe, I, I can't remember that he got a young hurler of the year? I don't think he did, but he was there, there, both. Like, a savage player, then left the panel for a year. And, like, he is one that he's definitely on his day one of the best half forwards in the country but just hasn't shown it in recent years so I mean if Chris Crummy could break plenty of ball for him he gets on ball like, and the, the one thing I have noticed right, is, like, they have Eamon Dillon Liam Rush Mark Shooter, and Jake Malone on the bench now I saw plenty of Mark Shooter and Jake Malone when they beat us in the all Club final in 2017 like savage players and like, Eamon Dillon for me again I don't see what goes on in training are different to all of us but he, for me, is, is nearly a nearly guaranteed starter. And the one thing I love about him is that it's, it's goals first and then take the point as an option. It's not points first. He goes and runs at him every single time. And even when he came on the last day, the game was put to bed. He could have easily wanted to get his name on the scoreboard, but he took on the leash the, the least defence. And, uh, and stuck it into the back of the net and he finished up at 1-1 I mean Liam Rush would, would be a household name a yeah. household name even across the country like you know. and he's only coming on so I don't know is Matty Kenny trying to do the John Kiley approach where he tries to bring on players to finish games rather than starting these players it looks like to me that he is and if, if, if Dublin are in contention like, with Kilkenny come down the home straight and that they have these players to bring on I do think it would make a massive difference in saying that I would definitely have Eamon Dillon starting on my team. Uh, in terms of Kilkenny, like, they have obviously the main man at the helm there for a long time. The one thing that they are is a very big, strong, physical team. Like You go back to last year when, when, when we played uh, Kilkenny in the all Ireland semi-final. Like they blew us off the park like no other team has done in four years. They did it to us in the first half. Um, they, they not only did they beat us in the scoreboard for the first twenty minutes, but they absolutely hammered us hammered us physicality. That was in Crow Park on a beautiful day. So coming into the winter time you'd imagine would, it would it stand to them even more. Like they've big guys there, Walter Walsh, TJ Reid, Connell Fenley. That's nothing to name three, like you know I mean. All across three they've 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 big men and um, I think it'd be a very physical game. I don't know, like Dublin wouldn't be known for the most physical team. So, I question, I suppose, whether they'll be able for Kilkenny's physicality.
0: Yeah. Do you think there's anyone there in Dublin that can match uh, or can mark TJ Reid?
1: Well, listen, that's the big question, like, you know. Um, like TJ has been phenomenal over the last couple of years, like absolutely phenomenal now, and has nearly been unmarkable by f- from looking in from the outside, like you know. Uh, listen, he'll play a centre forward more than likely, right? You know, it's not see the way it's gone now, Mark, right, is that the centre back's responsibility generally doesn't lie with the centre forward anymore. Yeah. So what happens is the centre back is gonna to sit to protect his full backline and it'll be the midfielders problem and the half forwards problem even to nail TJ Reid and try to get tackles from behind and tr- every time he gets on the ball to try and nail him from behind sometimes people can look at the centre forward and he might get three points and play and if St saying Jays where is the centre back I can tell you something, if all TJ Reid does is score three points and play from 60 yards the next day, I'd say Dublin would be fairly happy with that, what they do want is him close to goal and going in and getting two and three goals um, so it'll yeah. be interesting, I would imagine Dublin will try
0: pack it out yeah, you, you mentioned there yourself, physicality. Like, is that, you know, and what can he bring? And I know Cody has always brought he, that he has that edge about him, that all his teams have been so physical. Is that where Dublin will struggle, do you think, against that? Or is that where they're going to have to match him? And, and, and you even mentioned it there yourself. Are they capable of matching that physicality?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think I question it, but I think a lot of people know the answer to that after the weekend. You know, um, and, and, and the one thing... So, like, you look at Limerick and Corks in, in this day and age, right? They all play a very similar game plan in terms of working the ball through the lines, working it to the half forward, and either taking a score on or delivering it where you're only delivering the ball maybe 40 yards. It's only a short, snappy ball into the full forward line. Kilkenny don't do that. Kilkenny are happy to get the ball and deliver the thing into the edge of the square as quick as they can. Obviously not all the time, but at times. And even going back to last year's All Ireland final... Um, you know Cahal Barrack got sent off Tipperary had a spare man and they still went with the long ball into the full forward line and all the Tipperary full back line was doing is touching it down or breaking it and the spare man was there to pick it up and if we're to be honest about it if there was many other managers in the game that stayed going with that tactic they could have been hung out, but just because it was Brian Cody, he seemed to get away with it. Like, they don't seem to work the ball through the lines and deliver small, snappy balls into the corner. Yes, they do it at times, obviously, because that's where the game plays out. But a lot of the time, they just launch the ball in. Like And listen, with big men in there, Conan Fenley, Walter Walsh, and these guys, they can get away with it at times. Yeah. But, you know, I think um, like, DJ is going to, as a selector this year with Kilkenny, it'll be interesting to see what dimension he brings to it. Will he bring a more, I, will call it, I suppose, call it a modern approach? Uh, it would be very interesting to see.
0: Yeah, it is interesting he's in there because uh, what a legend uh, to, to have coming in with, uh, with Cody. Um, the other game there is, is Galway v. Wexford, which is going to be a massive battle on Saturday. Galway are another one of the counties with first-season manager in charge, Shane O'Neill. You know him well, uh, Shane.
1: I do no Shano very well a uh, very very good friend of mine hurled uh, with Shano I came into the PSG senior panel in 2010 and Shano was there for a couple of years he was just come to the end was delighted he eventually got a county medal out of it and a Munster medal as well um, yeah so then he was manager he, oh, he he left obviously he retired as a player and came back a couple of years later to manage us Shano won an Allard in Club with us uh, an incredible feat uh, an incredible man an incredible manager uh, like you look at Davy and you look at Shano they couldn't be more opposite shane is like he's very he's not i won't say he's non-vocal you know he's very low-mannered um guy and he will he's what he's very good at is putting the arm around the shoulder speaking to players delivering all the right messages you know you won't see him too wound up the weekend of course you'll see him giving instructions or whatever but his coach is john Fitzgerald john is also an appearance man they're very good friends, but they work well together. The two of them are in Nina uh, for a couple of years together. And uh, John is more, the, is more the, the talker and Shane sits back and delivers the messages in, in, in a, in a quiet and appropriate way.
0: Yeah, and like I say, we all know how good Galway have been and how good, look, Dunno who he's been an outstanding manager as well. But do you think with the likes of Shane in, is that going to bring a bit of freshness to, to Galway?
1: It will bring freshness and a new no voice is always great. The one worry I would have for, for Shane is that like going in to an intercounty setup for your first year is hard enough and probably daunting enough. Not long gone in where you've had him for maybe three or four months, they've been gone for six and now you're going back in. Like he I wonder, does, does, does Shane even know enough about his players as much as he should? And that's not his fault, obviously. That's because of what's going on. Whereas Davey knows all his panel like the back of his hand. And while Shane might think he knows them, I suppose he doesn't know the, character, the characters that they are. You know what I mean? He might know their hurling right. abilities. It takes a while to get to know that. And um, yeah, that's the one worry that I'd have for Shane and John and Galway is that it's, it's hard going in there in your first year. And especially the year that was in it. I think that's a big advantage lies with Davey
0: yeah um, a point made that Wexford are more cut out for summer hurling that their short game won't suit the winter championship is that a fair point you think Shane or, or is it total nonsense
1: uh, total nonsense I think um, if anything you know Wexford are a very very physical team big team physical team and uh, uh, geez, I, I would say the opposite I think they'd be uh, you know they they thrive on these conditions I was speaking to somebody recently and uh, they played Cork in a challenge match and he said that they were ultra defensive, even more than usual. So I think, and we talk about the Kilkenny approach there where they launch the ball long. I, I think Wexford will be the total opposite. They'll run, run, run. And, like, you know, the weather for the next couple of weeks isn't supposed to be great. The, the worst conditions that there is, the harder it is, I think, the better Wexford will be. Because Davy has so much work done with them in terms of how to run the ball and play the ball. They, they're fellas running all over the place and um, I think I think this I think the
0: winter will suit him more definitely I do yeah uh, so on that note would you go would you be going for Wexford
1: uh, straight up I'd love Galway to win uh, for Shane and John um, but definitely you know but uh, I, I, I do think it'll be I know I, I, I think Wexford will win just because of the reasons that I said Mark you know yeah. uh, they're, they're in a stronger position uh, and it's like Davy's not going to be there forever. I'd imagine this probably would have been his last year, uh, only for maybe with, with the year that's in it. And uh, and all Ireland is not Ireland, and I think Davy might sense that this year, you know, it, it, you know, I think they'll go close, and I think they'll, I think they'll be Galway the weekend. Producer Brano here. I, uh, just before we, we wrap up, I just want
0: to make sure because I see everything through the prism of Dublin uh, football that uh, we get uh, mentioned for the Dubs. I'm just kind of thinking back to Pillar Caffrey's Dublin team and how much he used the hill and the big match atmosphere at Crowe Park, uh, how much he used that to inject life and sense of purpose into his team, and how that totally changed uh, in the latter years at Gilroy. And then, I suppose, in the last regime as well, it, Dublin became a totally you know, process-driven team, and it, it seemed that they'd play the same game in an empty stadium or in a full stadium. So I suppose the question is just about emotions versus process. No team is going to be able to play off emotion this this winter. I keep I keep nearly saying this summer, but no team is gonna be able to, to use emotion. Like even even Cork, they have, you know, the hundredth anniversary
1: of Christy Ring coming up this weekend. Maybe they can dip into that for a bit of a well to pull something out of but it's all going to be about the process this year. Am I right? I totally agree with you. Uh, I do think this year is definitely going to be in the... Like, this word process, it gets thrown around and people are saying, Jeez, what are they on about processes and all KPIs and all these type of stuff, right? But it's, it's the way the game has gone and it's where the players have gone is that there has to be a process in place. Um, like I started with Limerick in 2012 and for, for five years, it was all about the emotion. It was as simple as that. It was like we've the economy buy is fine, but I think we have the best fan base in the country down here in Limerick. And like we always loved and still obviously still love the fans, but we just don't depend on them as much as we used to have before, right? So, like, I recall one scenario we were training, we were going playing Tipperary in a championship match. And um, the last training session the night before, uh, one of the selectors went up to Richard McCarthy. And said, uh, he said, Richie, it's very simple. He said, that first ball you get, he said, you need to hit it as high as you can and as long as you can and get that crowd going. And, like, the right ball could have been to hit it 40 yards. But, like, no it was all about getting the crowd behind us. You know, we played tip in the Gaelic grounds. Tom Candon drove on Kelly um, over. He had, I think he fell over the, the, the billboards on the side, like, you know, and the crowd went wild. Whereas now, that would be look as a tackle got. But back then, it was a, it was a case of another way to get the crowd behind us. So um, any team that's emotionally driven in this championship, may forget about it.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. Because, like, even if you look at the likes of Mayo... I think Mayo have the biggest fan base in the country. They've they've huge supporters year in year out. They're always there, and it's something that Mayo have always fed off their their supporters. And um, you know, you'd see it in Crow Park. You'd see the you know going down the stretch against Dublin and All Ireland Final. I saw it myself above in Gaelic runs um, in in twenty fourteen. The replay. It was the first time an All Ireland semi final was taken out of Crow Park, and the atmosphere that 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 was at that game was absolutely electric. Now. I think not alone does it drive on Mayo, but it drives on the opposition as well in a way. Um, because I always saw that in Croke Park, especially if you were playing the Dubs, particularly playing into the Hill, always a, a tough place to go. But uh, the Hill was like a, a 16th uh, player for the dub, Dubs, particularly after they got a goal, you know, and Dublin would feed off that. They they they, they do their warm-up under the Hill 16. We saw what happened with uh, Dublin and Mayo years ago, where... where um, the Mayo players came down into the, into the hill before the game and uh, during the warm-up and tried to uh, mess up Dublin's warm-up. So I would agree uh, with, with Shane. I think it is, it is some teams do play on emotions and I think Mayo are certainly one of those. And I, I'd, I'd actually throw Dublin into that as well. You know, I, think, I think Dublin are a team that, that uh, feed off the hill and I think that won't be there this year. And uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out.
1: Well, on that note, it's time for us to head over to the Clare Victory Banquet at the Barclay Court and join Marty Morrissey and Gerard Canning. It's, uh, it's certainly a night of jubilation. i tell you, the last time I experienced a night of jubilation like this was the night I got married, I think. Congratulations. With Anthony, 15 bachelors started out. My goodness, you put yourself in the shop window today, I think. Well, uh, Lister start starting next weekend, Gerard, <laughs> sure, so. A lot of fellas up for auction. <laughs> And you're all in the running.
0: Two people who are still very much single as Frank and uh, Brian Lohan. Uh, may I ask, are you looking for two sisters, twins, or what? Um, Anything do, really. You <laughs> know <laughs> <In all>
1: yourself. <laughs> Beautiful piece of waterproof crystal, man of the match, and there's two festina watches. I think they're telling you something rather subtly here. There's a his and hers, Sean. So make of that what you will. Uh, yeah find someone else there, right to give it to our race. But, yeah. <laughs> what a day for you, what a day for Claire and you have an that opening.
0: That's great Shane. Thanks Mark uh, we'll be back on Monday morning to look back on all the weekend's action. A reminder that from Monday onwards, GA Weekly will be available exclusively to the 42 members. Go to members.the42.ie to sign up and use the discount code MARKTHE42 or SHANETHE42, all one word, all uppercase, to get €5 euro off your first year's annual membership. And if you have any thoughts on the weekend's games or questions that you'd like to hear us discuss on Monday's episode, you can drop them into the WhatsApp group or email them to the membership at the42.ie. Out of the east there
1: came a hard man. Oh, ho ho all the way from ah, ah, Glory, hallelujah.